0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to The World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. Rebecca. this episode, we talked to Taha Yasiri, who is an associate professor at the School of Sociology at University College Dublin, and he's used Wikipedia to study behaviour online. Most Wikipedians have heard of Taha's research about conflict on Wikipedia, particularly. So this was a really fascinating conversation to have. It really was. You know, I'm half tempted to put the whole interview into the podcast as a partway apology for us missing last week. Uh, The delay of this episode four, Um, we did take a week off because Rebecca was gallivanting about the place. I'm not entirely sure that going to Maynooth counts as gallivanting uh, from Dublin. Um, I was working hard at the the Wikimedia and Libraries cold face. But you were connecting with your people. It is very true. My people and librarians who, by extension, are also my people. Um, Ireland was host to the very first Wikimedia and Libraries international convention a meeting of librarians, Wikimedians, and those who are both librarians and Wikimedians. Oh, wow. I didn't actually realise it was the first convention of its kind. Uh, how was it? All reports were very, very positive, not as, not as a librarian myself. I, I left it up to them them to judge. Um, but it was also one of the first in-person Wikimedia conferences since 2020. So the excitement and delight at seeing people in real life was, was definitely a factor. And I think you got to meet up with one of our previous interviewees. I did. Annie from our previous episode was there, and I think a few future guests were there too. After over eight years in the Wikimedia movement, it was an amazing feeling to welcome Wikimedians to Ireland, finally. Well done on that. I was very much, I will say, the body on the ground. Uh, So all credit to the organising team, Larry, Noria, Alice and Nkem, who drove much of the, the programmatic and kind of thematic work. Um, You can hear a conversation with Laurie on the Irish podcast, Librarians Allowed by Laura Rooney Ferris. Now, I know, Rebecca, that you have a deep and abiding love of all things Sweet Valley High for the purposes of this podcast and being part of this network. Yes, yes, I do. There is another podcast on the network. If you are like Rebecca, a deep abiding lover of Sweet Valley High, there is a podcast called Double Love on the network. um, And it's one of the longest running shows on the network. And it's beloved by many of its adoring fans. The presenters, Anna and Karen, take their listeners through the Sweet Valley High series, one book at a time. And it is a fascinating deep dive into each book. So check them out. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghost written. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. So while you were away at LibraryCon, did you uh, pick up any new rules? Well, we could go for something a little bit different and talk about a document that was in development from the conference, a kind of hybrid rule, not rule and new story. I am intrigued. One of the sessions at the Maynooth conference was to develop a librarian manifesto for librarians to articulate as a group what it is they, they want to gain from working with Wikimedia projects and, quote, to establish a document with values and principles to guide the activities of information professionals and Wikimedia communities who work together in the 21st century. So this is kind of potentially a roadmap for librarians to get more involved with Wikimedia, Wikipedia, that kind of thing. A bit of a rallying call, but also to, I suppose formalise some of the things that have happened organically in the movement over the years. So librarians have been allies of the Wikimedia projects for a very long time, probably our longest professional allies. And there are lots of longstanding projects that we can explore in future episodes, especially if we talk to some Wikimedia librarians and library Wikimedians. However, a lot of these projects were sometimes Wikimedians approaching librarians or libraries with projects or programmes. And this manifesto is to reorientate that relationship to get librarians to think about what they want from these collaborations, what they can do for them, their collections or institutions, and critically, their public. Wonderful. I do actually love how the Glam Institutes work with Wikipedia, and it can only be a good thing if there are future collaborations. Definitely. So Esther Bravo, who is leading this with Noria Ferrar from the Wikimedia and Libraries Convention. They presented about this at at this huge World Libraries and Information Congress from IFLA, which is a big, it's the International Federation for Libraries Association. I can't, I've gotten it wrong, but it's the big library group um, that took place in Dublin at the end of July. It had been postponed from 2020. Uh, So it is an involving document, which they hope to kind of continue to work on over the coming months. So watch this space. We are now going to talk to Taha about his research into conflict on Wikipedia and other places on the web.
1: Hello, I'm Taha Yasseri. I'm an Associate Professor in Sociology at University College Dublin. My area of work is uh, mostly computational social science and the study of the internet. Not the internet itself, but mostly social behaviour of uh, humans on the internet and on the web, social media and anything that has to do with digital technologies.
0: So there's a hint there as to as to why uh, why you're on our, our podcast there the, so, the social element of, of the internet so how most people have come across your work is is the element of conflict and conflict as a place out in those in those internet spaces so what drew you to studying conflict online in places such such as Wikipedia
1: well uh, for me all started from conflict and to be honest edit um, wars. I remember I had heard about wikipedia but i didn't quite believe how it works i i had heard people saying oh everyone can edit wikipedia but it was crazy too crazy to be true so out of curiosity i i just wanted to try how things work i pressed few buttons and i made my first edit i'm talking about i guess 2007 or 8 and Then I realized, oh, my edit is committed. Uh, It's going to be there. And I checked the page. It was there. A few seconds later, it wasn't there anymore. Uh, When I refreshed the page or went back and forth. And then I realized someone reverted my edit. Someone didn't like what I had done. So then I reverted back. So my first edit was started. And I got furious within a few minutes because I was sure I was right. Well, Spoiler alert, I was right in that case, uh, but there were many other editors that I lost. Um, But this is how I got to know about Wikipedia and immediately I realized this is a very rich environment in terms of social interactions. It's not just people writing things up there without much of uh, awareness of each other or interaction between them. I realized this is a very active and buzzing uh, community. Uh, and, you know, a few, few months later, I was deep into the community myself.
0: I do like that there's an air of mystery about what, what article it was. We'll, we'll leave it mysterious. I like that idea.
1: Um. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you, we can edit that. <laughs> it was about the movie 300. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've watched the movie, but um, I I didn't quite like a few things about the movie. Um and there were speculations about, you know, why they, this movie was made, uh, which, of course, they were not sourced. So I removed those information, um, which are which were not encyclopedic. So that was it. Oh,
0: that's interesting that your first edit was was a, was a, it's not an edition, it was a deletion. A of, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: And that tells more about me than about Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> well, if there's no source, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um <laughs> in in that sense wikipedia is is held up as this kind of sole surviving project of what we all envisaged or what was seen uh the potential of web 2.0 and you're talking about this buzzing community you know and that that would have been 2007 2008 was kind of very much the high point of of english language wikipedia as well and do you have any kind of personal theories or thoughts on why wikipedia has survived while others and there are other similar projects but they're not they don't have the same share the same profile
1: this is a very good question and i have spent you no know, several years thinking about it um I think you know we belong to the generation who experienced the golden ages of web and web 2.0 where um you know the the democratic horizontal structure of all these platforms um were at their best uh, in a way and then a few years later of course social media came about Let's admit it, we loved social media at the beginning. Uh, No, we kind of um, tend to uh, ignore the fact that we we were very excited about Facebook and Twitter, particularly when the Arab Spring was happening. And uh, I remember we were praising Mark Zuckerberg for bringing democracy to the Middle East, finally, which sounds like a joke now. Um, However, um, that poses a question, like the openness and the horizontal structure of Web2 platforms Is it a good thing? Um, Well, it is good when it works, like Wikipedia, and it's not as good when it doesn't work, like misinformation and hate speech on social media. So um, that's a big question, and I must say I don't have the answer to it, uh, even though I've been thinking about it and researching it for a few years now. But if I want to try to to give some insight, I think the the reason Wikipedia is still one of the last best places on the Internet is uh, because of uh, the design of it. the the model uh, of uh, community structure, uh, the sense of community, and the the collaboration that is the core idea behind Wikipedia. I mean, the very first thing that attracted me to Wikipedia was those interactions among editors, and I think those are the glue um, that keeps people together and Makes the project uh, sustain the project in long term. Um, social interactions on social media are not uh, as organic. Uh, they are not surrounded or they are not motivated by collaboration. Interactions on social media often are limited to like like minded people. Uh, we think we are fighting with a lot of different people on social media, but in in reality. We are encouraged to cut ties and isolate ourselves from people with different ideas and opinions. Uh, that's why when you report a piece of content uh, as misleading or hate a speech on Twitter, let's say, the next question is: Well, thank you for reporting that. Next question is: Do you want to block this person? You cannot really block anyone on Wikipedia, even if the person has very different opinions you have to find a way to work with them and to reach a consensus. And I think that that's really the core ingredient which keeps people together, uh, the collaboration and the common ownership of the project
0: So you're speaking a little bit about the recent paper that you have talking about this um, homophily based model with this you know and and liking it I suppose what what people would be familiar with is kind of the filter bubble effect. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by that?
1: Sure. One of the features of social media or any digital technology is that it allows us to study it because we can analyse the digital footprints that we leave on these platforms. So very soon people realise there are bubbles uh, or isolated groups of like-minded people uh, emerging on social media platforms. Uh, it is not limited to Twitter, but I think the first report was about blogs. Uh, some of your uh audience might be old enough to remember the blogs uh before twitter when people had more time to write longer than two hundred eighty or one hundred forty characters. so the first study of blogs uh showed that the hyperlink network of uh, uh hi- hyperlink network of these blogs how they link to one another is highly polarized that means that there are bubbles of like-minded blogs. Um, in the context of US politics, it was uh, Democrats and Republican bubbles. And the problem is that when you're in the middle of one of these bubbles, you see the whole universe the same color. And then it becomes impossible to acknowledge the existence of the other color or other bubble. By color here, I mean, of course, uh, political affiliation. Uh, and that is the problem. Then you cannot even see or acknowledge the existence of people who are different to you Then um hate speech emerges and uh, information gets circulated in these bubbles without being ever challenged. And that leads to circulation of misinformation and disinformation. So why these bubbles appear, uh, they are not new in our societies. They have been existing for uh, throughout the evolution, to be honest. Um, And the reason is that it was in our benefit to stick together and define our identity by similarities that we have with other people around us and then fight the other people for resources and so on. However, what happens uh, and what has been happening is that there have been always mixing. We always traveled, we always interacted with other groups. If we just go 50 years ago in our villages or in towns in our families, we always had the chance to interact with people who are different to us. And through those interactions, we get new ideas and we uh, innovate and so on. The problem uh, of social media platforms is that we, as I said earlier, we easily cut these ties and we surround ourselves with people who are very similar, a small number of people who are very similar to us. And this is something new in our societies. The fact that unfriending or cutting the ties is Seemingly costless. Uh, You couldn't do that uh, before the internet. You could not just avoid your, you know, racist uncle. Sorry, my racist uncle. We we all have racist uncles. Uh, But joking aside, we we had to interact with them. A bit like Wikipedia, as I said earlier, we have to interact with everyone who is interested in editing the article that we are interested in on Wikipedia. We cannot just avoid them. Whereas on social media, uh, avoiding others is the common. Behavior and something that we are encouraged to do. Why we are encouraged to do? Because um, these platforms do not want us to be challenged. Uh, because they want us to spend more and more time there, click on more ads, and generate more revenue for the company, which is a legitimate goal for a you know for a commercial product. Uh, I don't want. I don't expect Twitter and Facebook care much about uh, this, uh, information and freedom of access to information and knowledge uh and the design that they have does not serve that purpose it does serve the purpose of you know the commercial and financial benefit and however the artifact is the generation of these bubbles
0: interesting i think yeah thinking about having to come to consensus and how that's mediated as well and how it is a community process on wikipedia and how they're kind of you know when you're talking about kind of metaphor of the the village or the smaller human settlement how that we have kind of a we use lots of words like village pump and you know, on Wikipedia to talk about kind of these places where people meet and perhaps have to have to thrash things out. And, and, you know, much has been written about how sometimes that system doesn't work for everybody and how it favors certain people. So do you think that it is this kind of fundamental goal? And I think you've alluded to this, that Wikipedia is about being a knowledge project as opposed to a commercial entity or kind of posed towards ad revenues and things like that. And that it benefits all in quotation marks, it makes comparisons with individualistic or commercially driven social media platforms difficult. And in particular, it makes it very difficult for these platforms to perhaps mirror or take processes from Wikipedia to their platforms to try and alleviate some of the issues that they encounter.
1: Yes. um, You know, it's not really limited to Wikipedia or social media platforms. Whenever a new product is designed or produced or launched, uh, there is one intention, one idea behind it. And then a few years later, sometime later, the users define how they want to use this product. And examples are numerous. Um, Wikipedia started as an encyclopedia to collect some of all human knowledge or something like that, um, which is vague enough for, for the platform to after a few years serve uh, slightly different purpose. It, Wikipedia still does... Serve the purpose of encyclopedia as we know or as we knew, but also it's a great source for uh, current affairs encyclopedias. Well, you know much better than me, but encyclopedias were not supposed to cover current affairs. They're about you know established knowledge, real source knowledge. Whereas, you now something happens: a natural disaster, a political event, a sport event. Many people, the first place they go to check the current. Uh, information is wikipedia so it kind of serves as a place for uh, news as well and a lot of other things the same for social media Uh, 20 years ago when uh, twitter about 20 years ago when twitter was launched uh, to be to be accurate i think 16 17 years ago it was just a platform for people say what are they up to you know uh, what they had for lunch and uh, what are they going to do tomorrow it was never meant to be as a source of information, announcement, news, political campaigning, all the things that are happening on Twitter today. And no one could anticipate this, no one. Uh, the problem is that the design that we have today is exactly the same design as 20 years ago. The, the only major change in the design of Twitter was uh, the increase in the length of a tweet from 140 to 280. Brilliant, but that's all we have done I mean, lots of other things were uh, you know tweaked and changed and upgraded, and uh, the product is shinier today. However, the the principle behind Twitter, which uh, uh, was introduced you know, 20 years about 20 years ago, is still the same. the same for Facebook. It doesn't really, it hasn't really changed much. Uh, and that is the problem because uh, users repurpose these products uh, towards different services. However, the design doesn't match that service. One thing that helped Wikipedia to survive all these changes is the flexibility in, it, in the way that it works. Uh, because it's very simple, you know, collection of documents that could be edited in different, um, a collection of documents that could be edited by anyone We stick to that and then everything else could be defined and redefined and redesigned uh, and so on. That that flexibility helped the uh, project to cope with all the changes and all the repurposing. Unfortunately, because uh, the structure of social media platforms is not bottom-up, it's top-down, few engineers decide how to design and to run the platforms and they were not responsive to the changes. We are in a situation that Twitter, in a way, does serve as a center or ecosystem for information, but it doesn't have the features that are required for a healthy environment.
0: Yeah, I think that adaptability and it is fundamentally the fact that Wikipedia is functionally should be bottom up at all times, even if you kind of get it to the the nuances of the admin bureaucratic level and perhaps how different languages perhaps operate. You know that that. You know, we're talking about English language Wikipedia, but, but maybe some of the, while the platforms remain the same, perhaps some of the cultural elements of the different communities are slightly, slightly more nuanced or site, operate slightly differently in their own contexts. Um, you can't completely compare, say, Japanese Wikipedia with, with English, but um, as you say, kind of the platform remains what it is and, and fundamentally adaptable and changeable uh, to what the community wish it to be, which sometimes can play out, you know, like with the Croatian Wikipedia, can play out in kind of the, the, the darker way um, unfortunately so conflict and consensus building on wikipedia is is highly text based you know it is it is a written a written phenomena and while it is hard to study obviously the the lack of people or the absence of people who isn't there what are your thoughts on on those editors and i i, I often refer to them as the silent majority who you know opt out of interactions and discussions and might do it quite quite quickly when a conflict occurs have you kind of thought about that, that phenomenon as well?
1: Yes, and I'm glad you brought up this point because, uh, well, I said earlier that a good feature of digital platforms is that they allow you to study them uh, through the digital fingerprints and footprints that we leave, but then the, the the problem is that we can only study people who are there. We cannot study people who are not there. And there are a lot of people absent from Wikipedia and, you know, throughout our conversation so far, it probably sounded to your audience that we are glorifying Wikipedia and it's perfect. Well, it is not. Um, for me, the main problem with Wikipedia is the issue of representation. Uh, it's in infamous fact about Wikipedia that uh, female editors are underrepresented. Uh, and in different language editions, different uh, groups of people based on their race, ethnicity, education level, income, are absent from these communities. Um, one could say that, well, uh, the content of Wikipedia is not really about who has written it, it's about the content, but, well, we know, and there is evidence that the content uh, collected by certain type of people has reflects the biases um, in, in, in those people or in those groups of people who collected that knowledge. So we cannot let an encyclopedia be entirely... I'm exaggerating, but entirely written by men and expect that all the issues that humans care about and are important to to humans in general are fully covered and reflected. So these biases are there. Uh, They are hard to tackle, as you just said, because we we, we can't hear and we don't hear uh, much about people who are not there. Some of people who are not there, uh, they started editing Wikipedia, but they were pushed away because of edit wars and conflicts that I experienced. Um, but again, one thing that I know is that uh, the communities are working on, on this and have been working and caring about these issues, uh, how to you know, welcome new editors and how not to scare them away. Um, some of it is inevitable. Sometimes Wikipedia uh, environments uh, becomes a bit hostile. However... Again, when we compare it to the rest of the web, it's one of the cleanest and you know safest places in a way. Uh, the, the the whole fact that you can stay and you know, stay anonymous, and there is a code of conduct, and there is a culture of not outing people and not uh, take things to the personal level. I think is something very valuable that is very unique to Wikipedia. I can't think of any other large community uh, online community where people are so respectful of each other's privacy and uh, identities
0: it still surprises new editors when i get them to sign up that all wikipedia asks for you is a a username and a password and and, an email is optional because they're so used to you know checking boxes and handing over large chunks of data especially to a free platform uh, even if there isn't i suppose a service uh, element to it. That's the, yeah. That's really interesting. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of mention about your work, or something you wanted to talk about before we before we wrap up?
1: Well, uh, I might uh, have sounded a little bit pessimistic, but uh, I'm a pro technology person. I um, well, I think it's obvious now that I like Wikipedia. I even like social media, even though. I might not have sounded like that. Uh, The problem is, uh, you know, like any internet and web, these are new things in our societies. And, you know, the analogy I sometimes use is that we have discovered a new planet, a new land, and uh, we have very good cars, but there is no traffic rules. There is no regulation. And we have very good roads even. So we have the infrastructure, we have the tools, but we don't know how exactly use them and every now and then there is a catastrophic accident it doesn't mean that we have to give up our cars i mean in a way it is a good time also to think about giving up our cars but that's a different whole different issue uh, in relation to climate change but you know we have these tools and i don't think we should give up the tools we just need to learn how to use them properly and in accord with others and i think this this will come this is there will be a time that we have uh, we will have learned uh, and regulated and came up with policies to support this infrastructure and the tools that we call you know digital technologies. Um, When you look at, uh, we we chatted a little bit before recording about age and new generations, uh, you rightly mentioned that um, my my students now, the, the undergrad students, they're born after Wikipedia, so they lived parallel to Wikipedia. Um, well, I, I see a lot of very interesting positive traits uh, among my students and teenagers that I interact with. For example, they have a much better sense of privacy online. I didn't have that. I, I remember when I signed up on Facebook within a week, all the digital pictures I ever had were uploaded there. I was so excited. Of course, I took them down gradually, but What I like about the new generation is that they have a very good sense of privacy online and that they can sort things out on their own sometimes. So a lot of things like this will emerge. Uh, Collectively, we will learn. And I'm very positive about the future of uh, digital technologies.
0: That was fascinating. Really interesting. And such a such a, a gracious researcher, if you know what I mean. Uh, not everybody can speak so well or so clearly to their research. And I think that came across really strongly with with and that conversation. Yes. Um, and as a gift to you all, you have heard the entirety of the interview. However, uh, for all our other interviews, your, the extended ones will be available through the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um so you just need to pay 5 euro a month plus VAT and you become a member of the stuff Plus network. You don't even have to choose us as your most favored podcast although I would recommend it because we are your most favored podcast, but you get access to every podcast on the network for that 5 euro pl- a month plus VAT. Um and it's a great community and they're producing good c- content that is interesting and different and, you know, Uh, focused on things like sweet valley high or food or you know uh rupaul's drag race all of those things there's a lot out there on the network and it's well worth your five euro a month plus fat something for everyone you just have to go to headstuffpodcast.com and sign up there so in a not dramatic way like last week um or last episode who is this episode's hero? So I'm not repeating last, week, last episode's hero, but I want to name check one of our 100 Wiki Days victims, as we call ourselves. Go on. Antonana, uh, a Ukrainian editor, um, decided to do another round of 100 Wiki Days earlier this year, on the 2nd of January. But what makes her a hero is that she continued to write an article a day, even after the Russian invasion of her country. Absolutely phenomenal. Like, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, you know, as a hardened Wikipedian, that kind of blows your socks off a little bit. So Antonana has been learning Hebrew as well. So she focused on writing articles relating to Israel onto Ukrainian Wikipedia during her 100 days. Like, genuinely, I wouldn't be able to do anything like that. The fact that she kept writing while also escaping from, Russian, from the Russian bombardment, like she was on their way to Kiev, is incredible. Yeah. So she did think about giving up. As I think most most people would have, um, and that would have been totally understandable. But she kept writing literally as her in the car, as her and her family fled to Kiev. I can imagine that having something tangible and immediate that you can do and see the result could help when you're in such a surreal and unpredictable situation, though. And it is mm. wonderful that other wikimedians have have been inspired to take up one hundred wiki days again or for the first time in solidarity with her, yeah. I can see how kind of having an external focus might help. All right. But I'm still like blown away. I'm in awe. You know, it does make me think that another round of 100 wiki days is in order. Even if the English language Wikipedia is one of the tougher ones to work on, I might try and work on some Ukrainian topics over the coming months. And I will 100% support you on that. If not join you. We do have some interesting well we do have some news about the podcast. It is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, yes. We are going to be at Wikimania this year, uh on Saturday thirteenth of August at ten forty five AM UTC. So from ten forty five to eleven twenty-five AM UTC, which is apparently coordinated universal time. So yeah, find your own time zone based on it being UTC. It's an hour ahead of Irish summer time we're standard time now are we irish standard time i think ours is different yeah so we're utc plus one at the moment because we are so utc is pretty much gmt um Mm. so we are gmt plus one at the moment so uh so please do consider registering to attend virtual tickets are free and the link to register will be in the show notes we are hoping to bring our unique irish take to this and it would be fantastic to have more irish people attend Wikimania. i'm often Playing solo in that in that way. Um especially when you could do it from the, the comfort of your own home. Regular listeners, <laughs> those regular listeners will no doubt recognize some of the people we have talked to since we began our podcast back in 2020. So you could have your very own world according to Wikipedia bingo card going. I certainly will myself. I've signed up. I'm very excited. Yay! You're hitting me. <laughs> i <I've> got my <laughs> that was the world according to wikipedia join us again in two weeks you can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice follow us on twitter at world underscore wikipedia thanks to patricia o'flaherty for our artwork and headstuff for production assistance go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes more information and to support the headstuff plus network you can find me online at at ickle underscore tato on twitter or pretty much everywhere else and i'm restless curator on twitter and i am rebecca me on both, I believe, both TikTok and Instagram. I'm good at these things. (laughs) Yes, we're very social.
1: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.